Hey guys, I'm Nick. And I'm Eugene. Oh, welcome to Papercut. We're doing The Fountainhead by Ayn Rand, 1943. Being Ayn Rand's first novel to go mainstream, The Fountainhead tells the story of Howard Rourke as he challenges conventional means to become an architect. Now, throughout the novel, Rourke is portrayed as a cold, almost unfeeling stoic who refuses to yield to social or architectural norms, opting instead to stick to his guns at the expense of his well-being, safety, and wealth. In a world where mediocrity is seen to be revered, Rock's work edges on bold and unacceptable, drawing the attention of business magnates, media moguls, and, quote, the haters. All this culminates in an explosive courtroom scene which acts simply as a mouthpiece for Rand's overall philosophy. And that's the main thing we want to talk about today. That's right, architecture. Of course it's architecture. So obvious. Look at all the buildings in that book. Man. It oh, has to be architecture. It has to be. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Jokes aside, um, the Fountainhead circles around the world of architecture to explore objectivism. And I think most people in our generation, huge, first come across the idea of objectivism through Bioshock, the video game. Eugene, having played the game, having read the book, what is your understanding of objectivism? First of all, for, before I even going to the book, Bioshock, great game, ten out of ten. You should play it. I don't care if like you're scared of like splicers or whatever. Just play it. It's so good. But the book is even better. No, okay, okay. <laughs> That's, that's for the racing part. But, you know, I feel like the book, uh, the one main idea in this book, really, objectivism, it's just every man for himself. You know, we all have our responsibilities and we just stick purely to what we are meant to do. It will all work out. Like, we don't actually have to care about what others would think or what how, how others will be impacted. The whole idea of objectivism is that if we all just do what we are meant to do, it will all fit together in a giant in a giant picture because we're all puzzle pieces that fit perfectly together as you know that's exactly how society is exactly we're Everyone, just all puzzle pieces there's no such thing as conflict of interest we just like all Ooh. fit together perfectly right yeah. why would that ever exist so for example in, in, in the world of architecture duties are segregated right so in a book you have architects you have people who make mortar, you have people who provide stones, you have people who draw plans, the actual builders. So those are all segregation of duty. And one main idea that's actually been, well, Towser expressed throughout the book is that all those, all the people that we see in there, in, in those professions, if they just do their part separately and they don't meddle with the other parts, then the building will be built perfectly and you know, profits be bought in, et cetera, et cetera. So, yeah. Yeah, I think yours, what you said is definitely a big part of it. I think the way I saw it was more, well, to put it bluntly, capitalism on steroids. True, yeah. So, uh, sorry, if you think small government objectivism is asking it for it to be even smaller. If you think um, free market objectivism is saying, let's not even put, like, bars in place. There, there, there's one axiom that. to this. It's just that right. it's like everyone needs to be the best at what they do. Yeah. Like, they are best Most authority. Talented. Most yeah. yeah, exactly. In what they do. And that's the only way you can basically have the whole, quote-unquote, capitalism on steroids, no regulation. Only if they know best. They know best. They know they were highly specialised yeah. in something. And, and there's no need for, like, an outsider to come in and go, yo... You're doing this wrong yeah no precisely yeah. and 
it's this is a concept that has shaped much of American thought, and it is very anti-collectivism. So Ayn Rand, she herself was a Russian citizen, and she escaped Stalin's USSR to the United States. Much of her childhood experiences formed forms the bedrock of what will become her arguments against communism, collectivism, and even altruism, culminating in ultimately objectivism, the world without gods, without kings, all men equal, doing their best, doing whatever they can to the best of their abilities. Mm. The Fountainhead and Rand's work in general is popular among edgy teenagers, dollar shop intellectuals, and Republicans, especially Republicans. To give you an idea, like Paul Ryan, former Speaker of the House, and Ted Cruz have openly called for all Americans to read Atlas Shrugged or The Fountainhead. And because these books encapsulate the very ideals of the republicanism, so be it small government, individualism, specialization, free markets, borrowing the high military spending, of course. <laughs> Never forget about the high military spending. Totally not big government. Totally not big yeah. government. No, no such thing. Military is no. not a social service, you know. Ah, oh, yeah, it's you're not a right. Social service, yeah. They're just they're just men who want to be there because they're the best at what yeah, they do. Exactly. That I know. Best of the best of the best. Best of the best. I don't know about you, huge, but for me, reading the Fountainhead, it makes me feel invincible. Almost makes you want to scorn mediocrity, and when you when you really dig down, like. What is it really asking for? What are your thoughts on this? So I think, um, obviously, Rand being a citizen, a former citizen of the USSR, would be hugely critical of collectivism. And that's one of the things that that's being um, expressed in this book, alongside, obviously, with the benefits of individualism and objectivism. What are the dangers of uh, collective thinking? Um, there are multiple points in the book where she criticizes people for, you know, just not knowing what they want and just arguing something for the sake of arguing. It's, it's easy to argue against people who know what they want, but it's impossible to argue with one who doesn't know what they want. In a collectivist world, if something goes wrong, responsibility is shrugged off as well. Because it's a collective system, everyone agrees to it, everyone adheres to it and yeah. does the, their necessary part. Yeah. But the point is, they do it without thinking. Like by habit, almost. By habit, yeah, exactly. So they don't know whether it's the best for them or not. So they're just doing it for the sake of doing it. And so when something goes ham, it's really weird, right? If when something goes ham, who do you blame? Yeah, there's no sense of ownership because yeah. you just say, oh, yeah, it just happens. It's the collective, you know? Exactly. So, so responsibility is like, it's shared. It's, it's not like there's no responsibility. There's responsibility. It's just everyone is responsible. So no one feels the blame. No one feels the responsibility to take action. And so... Things will just keep going on and on in a vicious cycle. It's a world where I look, so I look at you and you look at me for guidance. And people say collective thought is the best thought, but that's only well. Well, I, what I'm saying is like people say that you need to consult as many people as possible. A good, well-rounded right? view, yeah. But that's only assuming that those people don't look at the next person for their input. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of the time, we overlook this fact, and so. When you ask for like mass opinion on something, yeah. it will quite easily be skewed to one side because someone almost injects the idea into the population and goes, this is what you should be agreeing to. You should be like a popular figure or whatever. And it's quite dangerous, this kind of collective thinking. Oh, do you know what they call this nowadays? What? 
thought leadership. Potato, potato. Yeah, it's call it what it is. Those kind of things, obviously, it's not new. It's been happening since the beginning of time, but it's just like, Rand calls that on this book, and I feel like it's an important enough point to talk about. Anyway, so here is like the downside of collectivism. So Rand goes, okay, that's fair enough. Now we know, now I've written out the bad side of collectivism for you. What should we do? We should try to think critically, right? So right. in this book, Rand's saying, okay, people can think critically. We are all experts in our own way at something. We've, got, we've all got the ability to think critically and to look at stuff from like a more inherent angle and mm. think about their benefits and disadvantages from a more from a more individual point of view and that's how it should be it shouldn't be something that we shouldn't be followers basically we shouldn't be looking at the next person for guidance we should be looking within ourselves and what it means to us inherently so in that sense you know the book is saying it's motivation it's motivating action from people it's saying okay don't lack self-confidence because let's be honest so many people lack self-confidence me included sometimes when people ask me on stuff that i don't but well, mm. i should know <laughs> i'm like oh is it really that but what Rand's saying is you do know that and therefore like the conclusion that you reach should be a valid point and you shouldn't doubt yourself but you can also see that that sort of thinking can be very dangerous so for example if you knew nothing about vaccines and start and looked up the ingredients list and you saw a trace amount of mercury You'd be going around going like, oh my God, there's mercury in this vaccine. Let's not take this vaccine. It'll, it'll cause cancer. It's, it's going to cause autism, stuff like that. But but it does cause autism. Oh, shoot, you're right. You're right. I, I, I felt it yeah, after man. my, my second exactly, jab. My exactly. Second COVID jab. Yeah. No, no. But, but no, I know, I know what you mean. Like, yeah, it's so, a, it is a double-edged sword, but that's what motivational books are. Yeah, it is a double-edged sword. Yeah. Like you said, like if you take it the wrong way or if you take everything as gospel, yeah. then you'd throw yourself down a very well, a very deep rabbit hole a deep rabbit hole that's one thing but, but when you really think about it okay like this is Rand's character to me what, who is Howard Rock like what is he really like th- these are all Rand's heroes by the way if you read her books yeah. it's all the same thing it's the same hero and her hero is an antisocial arrogant stubborn but talented man who refuses to take any criticism he deems unworthy for the sake of his integrity. And these are qualities that can be seen in, you know, Tesla's CEO. Or Osama bin Laden. I mean, how would you know that? I mean, man lives in a cave, come on. <laughs> oh, he lives in a cave. How, how, how much more antisocial can you be? No, that's true. He lives in a cave. I mean, he's uh, yeah, definitely, definitely stubborn. We can easily see that. Arrogant, you know, yeah. Talented, eh. Let's not go there. Let's not go there. Yeah. Let's not go there. And I say, listening, yo. This model of the world, of the pure individual, is a bit outdated. In fact, it's very outdated. No man is an island. In the world of science and art, one might think that, one might think of the lone genius, you know, like Einstein yeah. or in his workshop. But if you really think about it, the narrative falls short of the mark. And if you think about, like, the likes of Leonardo da Vinci. He used to have workshops of disciples painting and collaborating with him as he made his pieces. And he would add a stroke here or a brush there as he made his pa- his paintings. You think about Michelangelo when he made the David. He didn't do it alone. He chiseled it, but he also had his assistant constantly pour water on the David as he sculpted it. Well, I guess the main thing is architects in this case, they work together. They don't work alone. And also, there's not one lone expert in any field. There's there not like one multiple lone, experts, right? So those people should be 
collaborating. They should be collaborating. That's like the most ideal. That's probably a more ideal way of looking at this than just having one person go. Precisely. Yeah. This can be dangerous for people who want to pursue purely individualistic goals. Anyway. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Those that you, those that you do, you still have to talk to people. Ah, no. No. Introversion. Okay, it's okay. You can still message them. Okay, as long as I can yeah. stay behind the screen. But jokes aside, <laughs> let, let, let's get to our final ratings. All right. Now, we're going to do something a little bit different to honor this book. We're going to rate this book individually and objectively. And objectively. All right. So I'll start huge, if you don't mind. I gave this book a 7 out of 10. It actually makes architecture somewhat interesting, and there's enough conflict to drive the narrative. The overall philosophy does feel a bit forced at times, but the idea of an empowered individual does bring an undeniable charm, which can easily coerce one into believing in it wholeheartedly. Only upon retrospect did I realise the inherent flaws in her philosophy. It's also extremely long i'm not going to lie and it may put a lot of people off it right? i mean you say this one's long oh yeah you look at atlas shrugged atlas and this shrugged. this this just looks like just looks like a little book kids book but you know for me my rating is um eight out of ten i do agree with your point nick i it, it does also make me feel empowered and to be honest with you i think some of the ideas in the book are worth cherishing and i do live by them or try to live by them throughout my everyday life especially the point of not caring too much about what other people think of you and just focusing on yourself of your own development however having said that i think this book overall should be taken like the bible Ooh, what does that mean it means that you shouldn't take it too literally unless you're republican jesus jesus <laughs> If you like what we do, follow us on Spotify or in any of your other preferred streaming sites. If you want to leave us a comment or let us know what you think, you can email us at papercut.cast at gmail.com or Instagram at papercut.cast, no caps, or Twitter at papercutpodcast, one word, no caps. Look forward to seeing you guys next week for another episode. Until then, I'm Nick and I'm Eugene. Peace out.